that is raised in two places in prophecy. And then we will read a scripture in the New Testament. So first we want to turn to the book of Jonah. Jonah, and we will just read verse 9, and we'll come back and look at it later. Here's the question. My translator is still trying to find Jonah. He's hiding in the big fish. Chapter 3. The other way. No, no. John, chapter 3, verse 9. Who knows? But God may turn and repent and withdraw his burning anger so that we will not perish. And then we want to go back earlier, about three or four books, to Joel. Chapter 2. We'll read verse 12, down through 14. Yet even now, declares the Lord, Turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Turn to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and relenting of evil. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him? And then in the New Testament, the book of Hebrews, and chapter 4, one verse, verse 16, the last verse of the chapter. Therefore let us draw near with boldness to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. As we come to the end of this year, really only two more weeks or so, we want to find ourselves before the throne of grace. You notice it says there, there we can receive mercy 
and find grace to help in time of need. 那这边提到说，我们可以得着连续蒙恩惠，做随时的帮助。I will not be with you January 2nd at that time where we share great things God has done. 那在一月二号的时候，我不会与我们一同聚集。那时候我们要一同分享我们主所对我们做很大的一些事情。At that time, I met a conference in San Francisco. 那那时候我会在一个参加在三藩市的一个特会。But as we draw near to the end of the year, I want us to think back. 当我们来到这个岁首年年终的时候，我们想要思想一下。Even over this last decade, as we end this decade. 当我们来到这个，呃，这个最后十年的最末了的时候 ，First we can thank God for His grace。我们要先感谢我们的主，那是因为他的恩典。How abundant His grace has been。那他的恩典是何等的丰富。Ten years ago， 十年前 ，If we were sitting here today， 我们如果今天坐在这里的话 ，We would be sitting on a lawn outside of a house。那如果十年前我们住在这里的话，我们是住在一个房子后面的一块草地。Because ten years ago there was not this meeting place。那因为十年前在这里我们没有这个聚会的地方。What wonderful things God has done。那我们主做了很多奇妙的事情。Now watch this。我们仔细看一下。I would like you to raise your hand。我们要请你举一下手。If you were meeting here before the year 2000。那你在两千年之前在这边一同聚集的，请你举一下手。Raise your hand。请你举一下手。Oh, how many people have gone on to be with the Lord? Look at that. 那我们最后十年之后有多少人被主接去呢 ？Now, how many people here? Raise your hand. 那这边有多少人在这里 ？Have started meeting with us since 2000. 是从两千年之后才参加我们这这中间的聚会。Raise your hand. 请你举一下手。Ah, now look at what God has done. 我们主所做的。Now, many of you. 有许多的人 were gospel friends. 在那时候都是福音福音朋友。And now you have become brothers and sisters. 那今日你就成为我们的弟兄和姊妹。God provided us a hole in the ground downstairs, and we baptized you. 那我们的主也为我们在楼下预备一个受浸池，让我们在那边能够给你施浸。Now how many of you were baptized in our hole in the ground down in the basement? Raise your hand. 那有多少人是在我们楼下这受浸池受浸的进去？ Praise God. 我们感谢我们赞美主。What a wonderful thing, God. 这是很奇妙的一件事情。How wonderful that. Many of you who already were Christians, the Lord gathered you, and now we live our lives together in this assembly. And we think of the grace of God, how He has shared His word with us. Now there would be too much to say unless we just concentrate on just even this last year. 那如果我们就算是只看我们最后一年的话，我们话语实在是没有办法描描述一切。We were very blessed to have our brother Stephen Kang come and share with us。我们实在何等有福，我们的江弟兄与我们一同给我们分享话语。You remember our brother Lance Lambert came and shared。我们也记得兰佩德弟兄也给我们释放话语。Our brother Ernie Hile。Ernie Hile 也与我们一同去。And other visitors shared the gracious word of God。还有其他的弟兄们与我们一同分享主的话语。You remember is during this year, our brother、uh, Christian Chen shared with us two wonderful weekends on Colossians and Philippians. You remember those? 那我们还是否记得我们的陈弟兄与我们一同分享有有两个周末一个特别聚会，就是分享菲利比书还有克罗西书呢 ？This was very precious. 这都是非常宝贵的一件事。Over most of this last year, various brothers from the assembly have been sharing on this matter of growing up into Christ, even the head Jesus. 那我们有许多的弟兄在我们聚会当中一同分享这个主题，就是我们持续的成长，特别是在基督里面，我们在
And you remember, especially husbands and wives, we already had two conferences this year on the family, children, husbands and wives. Now look, everybody is happy. <laughs> the Lord has really been very gracious to us. We can come to his throne of grace because he has blessed us so much. But you know, as we think about this grace, as we come to his throne of grace, as we think forward to the next decade, now, it is all by the grace of God. We cannot boast in our numbers, in our spiritual maturity. We cannot boast in our meetings, or boast in the children's work, or boast of our spiritual. Situation. No, we cannot boast. The Bible says that God resists pride but gives grace to the humble. But if we humbly come before His throne of grace, what do you think? Will there be grace in 2011? He was Jehovah Jireh for us over this last decade. He was El Shaddai. God is sufficient over the whole decade. All for grace to trust Him more as we go forward in this next year. Jesus said, Without me, you can do nothing. If there has been grace abundant upon us, it's because our Lord Jesus has been with us. But if we lose our focus of our Savior sitting on His throne, we can do nothing. I'm glad at the end of this year we can encourage one another to be before the throne of grace, finding grace as we go forward in this upcoming year. So here, so now you've heard all of this rich speaking over the last year, and I have a quiz for you. One question. What was the verse that Lance spoke upon when he was here? Ah, you see, now Leda immediately knew because she looked in her notes. <laughs> it was the very last verse of Second Peter, 
So let this be our word regarding grace as we think upon the coming year. Second Peter, Peter Hosu, Chapter Three, uh, sorry, yeah, Peter Hosu, and verse eighteen, Grow in the grace, you see, right there. Now grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. As we keep our eyes on Jesus, we can grow in grace. By the end of 2011, be more gracious than we were right now. John testified regarding Jesus. Of his fullness we have all received and grace upon grace. So we want to grow in grace. This morning, as we're before the throne of grace, I would like to speak upon this matter of receiving mercy. You notice in Hebrews 4 it says, Come to the throne of grace to receive mercy and find grace. Now we know God's mercy and God's grace are related. These are both love words from God. His grace and His mercy are God's love toward us. One, uh, one Bible teacher says this. Grace is when you get what you don't deserve. Mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. You understand? Grace is God loving us though we don't deserve it. Mercy is not judging us even though we do deserve it. Another brother puts it this way. Grace is the uh, let's start with mercy first. Mercy is the love of God under the shadow of judgment. Whenever there is mercy, it's an alternative to judgment. So, once again, mercy is love of God under the shadow of judgment. Grace is the love of God under the shadow 
of his cross. How do we receive the grace of God? Do we say it's free? Well, for us, it's a free gift. But it's under the shadow of the cross. It's because of what Jesus did that we receive grace. But what about this matter of mercy? We know that Jesus speaks much about it. We remember in Romans chapter 12, Paul speaks about it as a ministry in the church. You remember in Romans 12, as the body functions, we are to show mercy with cheerfulness. And as Jesus puts it in his Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. This is the, uh, the, the wonderful life of a child of the kingdom. That he is full of mercy. And so he can receive mercy. Now think about that. You cannot, you cannot show mercy until you have received mercy. Have you received mercy? Has God been merciful to you? Ah, then you are one who can share mercy with others. But mercy is very humbling. Because mercy acknowledges its mistakes. Mercy acknowledges our unprofitability to the Lord. Mercy acknowledges our weakness. Mercy acknowledges we're wrong. We don't like to think about those things. But once we admit and know that we have fallen so far short of what God wants, we find the Lord has mercy. You know, when our children make mistakes, what else can we do but show them mercy? And when the Lord looks down upon us, and He sees how frail we are, Yet he has mercy. A very precious verse to me has always been Second Corinthians chapter four verse one. Second Corinthians chapter four verse one. And here Paul is a servant of God testifies of himself. And 
and seeing that we have received mercy, we faint not. Now every servant of God understands this. You know, if you serve the Lord in whatever capacity, you realize quickly how many mistakes you make. How often you say a word that hurts instead of heals. How unprofitable you are as God's servant. And this is what Paul is saying. Paul has ministered and done many wonderful things. But Paul also knows he has made many mistakes. Many times he's been below what God desired of his service. And except for the mercy of God, Paul said, I would faint. How can I serve God? I'm, I'm disqualified. How could Peter serve God after denying the Lord? But the mercy of God recovered Peter and said, Feed my sheep. If you serve the Lord, you should be merciful. Because you have received this mercy in order that you might continue on. It's interesting when Paul writes to Timothy in both of the letters. You know, the Lord, uh, Paul usually opens, addresses his letters by saying, Grace and peace to you through God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. But how does Paul change that when he writes to Timothy? Because he's writing to Timothy as a fellow servant. So in his greeting, he does say grace and peace, but he adds one more word. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Lord's servants need mercy. Be merciful to God's servants. You know, brothers, various brothers stand up here and share on a Sunday morning. We should be very merciful. Now I just asked my brother Johnson to come up here, sing a song and have a prayer. Now I told him this just ten minutes before he had to do it. And uh, he almost fainted. But God was merciful. And so we should be merciful to our dear brother for standing Now, of course, if you don't serve God, you can be very critical of God's servants, you know. If you've never counseled a person, well, then you've never made a mistake in your counsel. 
那如果你没有做顾问的工作的话，你好像你做顾问，你没有犯过任何的错。Now, if you've never spoken a word, then you've never made a mistake. 如果你没有为主说过话的话，你也没犯过任何的错。Now, you have the privilege of folding your arms and saying, "Oh, I could do it better than that." 你能够就是把你的手放在这里，然后就说我可以讲的比这个人更好。Oh, he missed the scripture. He gave the wrong reference. Oh, I I know the reference. You know, when we don't serve, we can be very critical of what's going on. But if we serve, then what does Paul tell us to do in Ephesians 4? This is what will happen to a person who has found mercy. At the end of chapter 4, he says this. Be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as Jesus Christ has forgiven you. Isn't that wonderful? Are you kind to your brothers and sisters? Sometimes we need to work on this mercy. One time a brother came to me with his wife to speak. They wanted to speak to me. And this brother started to criticize his wife. She doesn't do this right. She doesn't do that right. She's undependable in there and criticisms. And he gave me such a list of what she did wrong. Now what do you do? Well, I had to stop my brother. So I simply said one thing. I say, you say all this is wrong with your wife. But if you understood who you were, you would know you deserve a lot worse than this. Now, men, what if you got the wife you deserved? She would be a terror. Anyway, the wife you have, by the mercy of God, is much better than you deserve. And so husbands and wives, be merciful to one another. Now, need I say, the same is true for the wives. Yeah, your husband may be a bum. But, but you deserve a lot worse than him. Oh, we need to learn this matter of mercy. But now I want us to, as it were, expand our understanding of God's mercy. You know, there's a wonderful hymn. I, I, I don't think it's in our hymn. I, I looked. It's a wonderful hymn called There's a Wideness in God's Mercy. Now, 
How wide is God's mercy? God's mercy is very wide. I want us to think about that. This morning I'm asking this question that the prophets spoke. Who can tell what the Lord may change his mind and have mercy? Now that's the question we should ask as we come to the throne of grace at the end of this year. What is this question? Can we answer this question? Will God show mercy? Well, you know, God is sovereign. And when we're asking for mercy, we have no grounds except Jesus Christ. The prophets say, who knows? Perhaps God will change and have mercy. These prophets are revealing something in the heart of God. And we want to look at it in terms of the wider. Will God have mercy upon our country, upon our city? We briefly spoke about the grace of God that we have known over this last decade here among us in flesh. But when we look at this decade that's just gone by, in terms of our country and our city, we see what a time of need we are in. We come to the throne of grace in time of need. Can you remember what has happened in this last decade? 9-11 changed all of our lives forever. You'll never get on an airplane. You'll never have an easy time with uh, uh, the immigration department again. Something happened to our city and we came into a time of need. The wall of the city was broken from above, and 3,000 people were killed. And so the United States went to war. And in these last 10 years, we've been humbled because we're losing the war. Who would ever think United States, great power, would lose a war in, in uh, Iraq, in Afghanistan? 
有这么有强势的一个国家会在阿在阿富汗还有在这个伊拉克打败了仗呢 ？We have spent billions of dollars and thousands of lives, and when we walk away, nothing changed. 我们花了几亿的钱，然后死了不知道多少的生命，但是我们离开的时候什么都没有赢得。In all of our moral high ground, we were doing this for democracy and to free the people. All of that moral high ground has been lost because of what soldiers did to prisoners and all kinds of things. 那他们很高的这些道德的标准，他们这些一切都也失去了呢，是因为这些啊、呃、这个军人对这些呃这个啊、呃、这些这些俘虏所做的这些事情。Now the United States has been humbled greatly in these last ten years. 那最后十年，这个美国就开始学习谦卑。And of course, many things have happened all across the world that has shaken the world with a shaking. 那在这个世界上也发生了许多事情，震动了全世界。Even the, we could go into speaking about various natural disasters that have happened in this last decade. 那最后十年我们也知道发生了许多的天灾。Hundreds of thousands of lives have been lost in tsunamis. Earthquakes and floods. 那有几十万的生命死于这个呃这个海啸、地震啊等等。We see just south of us in Haiti, it's a country whose whole foundation has been so broken up, there's nothing to build upon. 那这个海地离我们这么近的国家，他们的根基完全被破坏掉了。We've seen in Katrina, now a major city in the United States in New Orleans, still in ruins. 那我们看到纽奥良受到 Katrina 这个这个飓风呃这个飓风的这个侵袭，现在还是在恢复的当中。But of course, when we think of the shaking of the last decade, it's certainly this economic tsunami. 那我们看到最后这十年的震动、震荡，还有这个金融的海啸。Now the government always likes to put a nice face on the statistics. 那这个政府总是把好像好的一面放出来。当我们讲到这个统计数字的时候 ，But according to actual statistics, it is figured that 17% of the workforce is now unemployed. 那根据实际的这个统计数字，现在失业率有有百分之十七的人现在没有工作。We have really lost ground. 我们实在是失去了许多的这个地位。And of course, what this brought out was the corruption from the top. To the bottom. That, 经过这些事情之后，我们可以发发现到从上面到下面许多腐败的事情。You know what's happened in the last ten years? It all started with Enron. Remember? 那最后十年，你们记得是怎么开始的吗？是从 Enron 那个公司开始的。Thousands of employees had all of their retirement in Enron stock. 那几千的这个这个员工，他们的这个退休金都放在 Enron 的他们这个股票上。Now you know Enron's down in Houston. I go to I go to a Chinese church in Houston. I dare not mention Enron. It'll start a war. That in Houston, ah, this Enron, this company is in Houston. That I now attend, if I attend Houston's conference, when I go to the conference, I cannot mention the name Enron. Now just yesterday, we see that this, uh, uh, Barney Madoff's son committed suicide. That we yesterday also know Barney Madoff's son committed suicide. We see that corruption. It starts with the government. 那么看到这个腐败的这些事情从政府开始。And even our representatives in New York City. 那即使代表我们纽约市的这些人
goes right down through the banking industry. Goes right down through the housing industry. Goes right down to all the strata of our economy. Down on the lowest level. What is actually the greatest problem we have in New York City? It's the number of people abusing Medicare, Welfare, Medicaid. Do you know how many people are cheating and lying on these things? Uh, we have a doctor right here this morning. He used to work in a hospital over here in Queens. Now here, here's all you have to do. If you have a relative who lives in Costa Rica, they have cancer of the throat. You get your money together, send them up on an airplane to Kennedy Airport. You just take them to the hospital. And they will do $100,000 operation chemotherapy on this person from Costa Rica. Now, isn't it wonderful that we're so generous? Many people have no other hope except to come to New York City and get free care. Actually, I'm happy for them. But there's many people cheating and stealing. Isn't that terrible? Then we wonder why we're in trouble. Now, economists, just for New York City, are trying to figure out what percentage of the economy is so-called underground economy because it doesn't uh, uh, receive any income tax or it doesn't pay any tax for the business. How many businesses unregistered? Uh, illegal. Making money. Claiming no money. Well, they say it's way over 20% of our total economy, underground economy. All of our problems would be immediately taken care of if all those people just paid their business tax. But you see, everybody's a cheater. From the top to the bottom. And we're in a situation, and I, I say this, this is my conviction, that Democrats can't get us out of it. The Republicans can't get us out of it. The Tea Party can't get us out of it. We are in a nosedive. Airplanes going down. The economy, I mean, the Federal Reserve System is printing money like crazy. That won't do it. We are going down. Because we forget the one economic law. 
God's blessing. When God blesses a country, it prospers. And it's when God's people are righteous that God blesses a country. I tell you the only thing that will work right now is the mercy of God's blessing. Only He can turn a, a crop out of a, 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 just this uh, famine that is in our country. We are in a time of need. Now you, you know about all these things. Let me share one more. The church of Jesus Christ is at a low place in a time of need. Now we even we who, grew, who meet here may be greatly blessed by the grace of God. But when you look at the wider church, what do you see? What do you see? Right now, reports are just beginning to come in of a tremendous backlash to the prosperity gospel that's been preached in this decade. Do you know what that is? Many preachers preach and say, If you give me your money, God will prosper you. And many churches are built by people who came to Jesus to become prosperous. But something's happened. This promise is ten years old. Now people are losing their jobs. Where is the prosperity? Now you know that's affecting millions. In the United States alone. And so what they say is the preachers getting rich. We have big fancy building. But I'm still poor. And people are offended by God. Now this is affecting many people. We now see that the first mega church is up filed for bankruptcy. Now, maybe this whole economic disaster is just to purge the church of this false gospel. But we need to pray the Lord have mercy on these souls that have not heard the true way of following Jesus. There's been a low point in the church life. Here in the city. Now you work on a job. 
you remember what's happened over the last decade, right? Now you used to work on a job with two other co-workers. Now you still work on a job, but they fired the other two co-workers, and now you do the job of three people. The corporation makes a wonderful profit. And but you are making bricks without straw. Now we have a meeting on Thursday night in Manhattan for prayer. Now it's almost it's impossible for some of those saints to even come to the prayer meeting because up to ten, eleven o'clock every night they're working. Now,现在有许多的弟兄根本没办法参加祷告聚会，因为他们到晚上十点、十一点，他们还在上班。Ben we should really have a hundred people here anyway. It's impossible. Why aren't you here? Well, I don't know. I hope you have a good excuse. I may ask you one day, give me a written excuse. Why are you not here? You're not in school, I'm not a teacher, so I can't do it. But I don't know. Here's my question. What do you think all these signs are pointing to? In the last ten years, there's a downslide. Our country, our city is in a time of need. What do these signs point to? Now we know the Bible predicts these kinds of shakings. We may be coming into a shadow of tribulation. And Jesus never told us that things will get better and better. He says that there will be greater and greater shakings before he comes back. So what do you interpret as these signs? Through all of this time, we need to watch and pray. Who knows? The Lord may be merciful. What does that mean? We want to finish by looking at this this whole matter. What does this mean? Who knows? The Lord may change his mind. It has to do with mercy. And this this often happens when things seem to have come to their lowest point. Beyond hope of recovery. It seems that when those kinds of times come, a remnant of God's people is raised up who cry out for mercy. Now, 
Now, you have read probably the great prayers of mercy in the Bible. You remember Samuel prayed a prayer for mercy. Nehemiah, Daniel, David, many of our brothers prayed prayers for God's mercy at a low, low point in the life of God's people. You remember the great day when Solomon built the temple. If you look in Second Chronicles in chapter 7, you see that after the temple was built, God's glory came down and filled the temple. Second Chronicles, chapter 7. It was a time of great glory, great blessing. And Solomon got up and he prayed a wonderful prayer to God. God also spoke. And you remember these wonderful words that God spoke in verse 14. Listen to this promise of mercy. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and repent and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Now this is a promise that God gave when Israel is maybe was at its highest point. But God said, remember this. Look at verse 13. It sounds like what's happened in the last decade to the United States. If I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain, or I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among the people, God brings his people into a time of need. To see if they will pray. How long do we wait? Trusting our government, trusting our financial system, whatever. How long do we wait until we turn to God? It says, if my people. Now notice it doesn't say, if lost sinners. It says, if my people will call. If my people will repent. If my people will turn. Then I'll hear and, and answer and heal their land. What a tremendous promise. And throughout the history of God's people, in a difficult time when things couldn't be worse, God raises up a remnant who pray and claim 
this very verse. It means we have to admit our own mistakes. We have been part of this whole economic cheat. We have been part of the worldliness that now grabs the church. We have made mistakes. We have been weak. And so all those great prayers in the scriptures acknowledge their own sins as they came to God and asked for mercy. Now we want to look just at these two prophetic verses we read at the beginning in Jonah. In chapter 3, you remember we read this verse. Who knows, God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning anger so that we will not perish. Verse 9. Now you remember the story of Jonah. He finally, after disobeying, went to Nineveh and preached to them. Now did he preach mercy? No, he preached judgment. And Jonah hated Assyria, this is where Nineveh is. And so he especially was angry. And so he prophesied judgment. Forty days and you will be destroyed. He went all through the city and yelled at them. But amazing thing happened. Who said this verse in verse 9 here? The king of Nineveh. He said, let us repent. Let us ask forgiveness. Who knows? Maybe God will change his mind and won't uh, destroy us. That's the unbelieving king. This is why Jonah was so mad. Why is Jonah so mad? Chapter 3, verse 10. And when God saw their repentance, that they turned from their wicked way, God changed his mind. And he declared that he would not do this that he would bring upon them. Now, Nineveh was down to 40 days before wiped off the face of the earth. It was the last hour. But the king and the people repented in sackcloth and weeping and asking forgiveness. And it says God changed his mind. And it says, okay, I won't destroy it. Oh, Jonah was so mad. Because Jonah was a Christian who had no mercy at all. He stood outside the city and said, God, you're no fair, you're no fair. You're merciful. I knew you'd do this. You're a merciful God, you get me so mad. 
You make me a prophet like a fool. I predict something doesn't happen. Now I look bad. Look what you did to me. And you know the very last verse of this uh, whole book of Jonah. What does it say? Should I not have mercy on Nineveh, the great city in which there are 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right and their left hand? Now I won't even mention animals because there's a lot of animal activists I don't want to get involved. God said Jonah, can't I have mercy on people who don't know their left hand from their right? You see, God there has a wideness in His mercy. I wonder if we can pray for such people. How many people do you know? They don't know their right hand from their left. They don't know good from evil. They don't know right from wrong. They're completely clueless. And God's judgment is about to come. But mercy is always under the shadow of a coming judgment. If there are those who will pray and seek God's face and turn from our ways, God will hear. Or we turn back to Joel and that verse in chapter 2. Now we know the story of Joel. Very interesting. But we'll just read um, at verse 14. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him? He's talking about God. And what is he saying? You see, the locusts were already going through the land. Judgment had already started. The locusts were coming and devouring everything in Israel because of their unfaithfulness. And even as the locusts are coming, and the locusts are just coming just before what Joel calls the great and terrible day of the Lord. And yet, notice what he says in verse 12. Yet even now, return to me with all your heart. Even now, as the judgment's already beginning, it's never too late. If you will rend your heart and pray, who knows? God may repent and show mercy. Now many people think that a uh, situation goes too far. And it's too far gone for God to have mercy. Our nation abounding in sin Deserving judgment. Too far gone. 
But with God, it's never too late. Now, how do we know that? Because we know that in our own lives. Has not God shown mercy to you? In some time when you should have been judged? Even in a late hour? You turned and God was merciful. We know our God. And so we know the great secret. Joel mentions the secret here in chapter 2 verse 13. You remember this secret. It goes all the way back to Moses on Mount Sinai. Chapter 2, verse 13. Rend your heart and not your garments. Now return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and relenting of evil. And here Joel is echoing the very thing that God spoke to Moses back on Mount Sinai. In Exodus chapter 34, Moses says, God, show me your glory. God says, I put, put you in the rock and I'll come by. And God came by. And as God came by, he spoke. What did he say? I am the Lord. The Lord God. Merciful. Compassionate. Slow in anger. Relenting of evil. Forgiving sins. And God revealed to Moses his heart. God is a mighty God. And even when God sends out his word for judgment, as happened with Jonah. But still, God's heart prefers mercy. Will his people turn and ask for mercy? If they don't, Judgment. Because judgment comes out of God's righteousness. But mercy comes out of God's heart. Now which will we choose? And so we come to this new decade before us. Now it's time to draw near to the throne of grace. It's time to look to the Lord Jesus. That we might find grace to be faithful and full of the Lord's life in this next year. But while we're there at the throne of grace, can we also ask for mercy? Mercy for the many people around us. Mercy for our enemies. 
Can we pray, Lord, save my enemies? That's actually what God wanted Jonah to do. The Syrians were hated by Israel. God said, I want you to pray. Have mercy on Nineveh. Can we pray that God would save our enemies? Maybe you have a very difficult member of your family who gives you a very tough time. Maybe even persecutes you. Will you pray for their salvation? You are at the throne. Many of these people around us don't know the left hand from the right. They don't even know what to ask for until somebody tells them. Oh, may their eyes be open to see how merciful our God is through Jesus Christ. Remember, it is Jesus, even while he walked on this earth, who showed mercy. Those lepers who came up said, Mercy, mercy! And Jesus touched them and they were healed. You remember when Jesus was on the cross. He showed mercy to the man next to him. Even at the last hour. And we will, we will know some people who will come to their last hour in this next year. Can we, can we pray for mercy? How about our nation? We've been blessed by being here in this country. Can we also pray for its mercy? That the Lord would have mercy upon us. That the Lord would restore His face and His blessing upon us. And our city, God would have mercy. You know, I live in Manhattan, but but there's no place where I see more people rushing around who don't know left hand from the right than right down here in Main Street in Flushing. They're rushing and rushing. No idea what they're doing. Can we pray for mercy? Maybe a great harvest, even here in Flushing this year. Oh, I think this is a, this is God's wider mercy. Even for those we know who are unemployed, going through a difficult time. Oh, we can get after them and say, well, if you'd only worked harder. But people make mistakes. How about mercy? Oh, that we may be as God's children, full of mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ, we can come before His throne. We can find grace for our own lives. 
Can we also remember and ask for mercy for others? Perhaps this next de- decade, there, there could be a turnaround, a reviving, a recovering of some things that were lost. But what do we say? Who knows? Maybe the Lord will change his mind. Do we deserve judgment? Yes. Does our country deserve judgment? Our city? But who knows? Maybe the Lord will change his mind. If we will pray, and He can restore our land, we need mercy. There's no, there's no government policies that's going to change our situation right now. But I tell you one thing. All around these United States, there's a growing number of God's children asking God to have mercy and revive this nation. Whether I go down south or I go out on the west coast, wherever I go, there's a growing number of people praying for mercy, even for our nation. Do you think we're in a time of need? This would be a good time. Now I, I'm sorry I, I started out talking about the great things God did and now we end up talking about everything that's in terrible shape. And I'm sorry that some of you have now become depressed. But actually, you know, this whole thing is in the Lord's hands. Do you believe that? Then this is the God we come to. And so I pray that as we finish this year and go into the new year, part of our prayer would be the Lord have mercy for all of these people around us where we live. And I wonder if we could end this time just by singing once again, Great is Thy Faithfulness. This is a wonderful testimony that Jeremiah says, Thy mercies are new every morning, even when Jerusalem is destroyed. It's never too late for mercy. Jeremiah cried because Jerusalem was destroyed. Then he said, Great is his faithfulness. His mercies are new every morning. There's a new decade and a new morning ahead. And God is faithful. Okay, it's, uh, it's him 452? Yeah. 
Morning by morning, new mercies we see. Oh, thank you for your grace and mercy to us in this past year and decade. And we want to move forward full of mercy and grace. We set our eyes upon the Lord Jesus. The throne of grace enables us to live in these difficult times. We set our eyes on Him in order to overcome and run the race set before us. We thank you that we could gather and think upon these things. We commit this matter of grace and mercy into the hearts of all who hear this word. 
Amen. 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 Amen.